Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to the High Velocity Radio Show, where we celebrate top performers producing better results in less time. Stone Payton here with you this afternoon. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Core Matters, Mr. Ryan England. How are you, man? I am fantastic. Well, it is a delight to have you on the show. I got a ton of questions. I'm sure we won't get to them all, but I think a great place to start would be if you could articulate for me and our listeners mission, purpose. What what are you and your team really out there trying to do for folks, man? You know, our mission is to help entrepreneurs understand that there is a better way to run business so that they have the time to focus on the things that they that matters most to them. And, uh, you know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial blue collar family. And I remember my dad telling me, I'm doing this to provide a better, fa- uh, you know, better opportunities for you kids and to give you guys the things we didn't have. And I see entrepreneurs do that all the time. And then the 18, 20 years goes by and they're like, well, the kids are grown now. <laughs> and all the things <laughs> that were really important, I didn't have time for because I was so busy, so focused on growing this business. Well, that's a little bit of the of the history, but what is the the full backstory, man? How did you land into this line of work? You know, like I said, I grew up in an entrepreneurial blue collar family, and I did like any good son would do, and told my dad I'm not going into the family <laughs> business. <laughs> so I, I went the college route. I went to corporate, and I just was like, "This isn't me." So I eventually became an entrepreneur, and I wanted to work with contractors that. Uh, we're making it happen. And so I ended up working with a lot of home service contractors, you know, those HVAC technicians and plumbers that, that keep everything working for us. And, uh, you know, a couple of years into it, they were all struggling with the exact same thing. They didn't have enough people. Hmm. And as many leads as I could generate for them, as many opportunities I could generate for them in a marketing world, they still couldn't find enough people. So it was in an act of desperation, insanity, whatever you want to call it, where I said, you know what, maybe I should help these guys hire frontline people. And about seven years ago, I did that with resounding success. And it was so much more fun. It was so different that I just said, this is what I want to do. There are so many people that don't know how to recruit, that don't know how to hire because no one ever taught them. Let's create a coaching and training company where we can teach them how to build these systems and processes and attract, hire, and retain the best people that are out there. Man, what a noble pursuit and and important calling. Why is recruiting so hard? I mean, it's hard for all of us, those of us in the professional services arena too, but and especially for these for these folks, you think. You know, there's no one real easy answer, but I will tell you this. The biggest shift that I think people need to make when it comes to recruiting is realizing that recruiting is not an HR function. Recruiting is a marketing function. And when you recognize that and you start treating it like marketing, recruiting becomes a whole lot easier. What an interesting frame to, to put on it. So in, in your experience, if you, if you put it in the, in the marketing function, it's uh, easy is probably not the right word, but uh, more practical, more, more cost effective, more efficient to find, uh, I'm, I'm air quoting here, good people. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if you think about it for a second, 
When it comes to recruiting, what's the first thing most people do? They they put a job description up on a job board somewhere like Indeed or something, and they wait for people to apply. Well, that job description is an advertisement for an opportunity to join your team. But they're all boring. They're all dry. They all look the same. What is the one of the biggest rules in advertising? You got to stand out. You got to be different. You got to get noticed. And so many people think, well, I just put the same boring job description up there and it just doesn't work. No one wants to work anymore. And it's like, yeah, but you look like everybody else <laughs> and you're not. <laughs> Let's make that ad really stand out. Let's make it pop. Let's make it so that people go, I want to be a part of that team. I love it. So you've been at it a while now. What What are you finding the most rewarding about the work? What, what What's the most fun for you? You know, the, the, the thing for me, being a coach, being a trainer, the thing that just lights me up more than anything is, is people that are willing to make this shift and watch someone be coachable and go through it and transform not only their business, but their personal life because they go, wow, now I've got people I can trust. I can grow the team as fast as I want, whenever I want. I got time for the things that are really important. I get to travel more. I get to spend more time with the kids. I get to work on these side projects. When I see that happen... That, that's, that's why I do this every day. So you've had the benefit of coming up in that entrepreneurial environment. Have you also had the benefit of one or more mentors along the way to kind of help you navigate the, that terrain of being in business? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I love mentoring. I, I think there, there are people that have been to the mountaintop that I want to climb. What better way to get to the mountaintop quickly than to go find someone who's already done it? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and emulate those, uh, those behaviors, those disciplines. I mean, it really can sort of remove some of the friction and shrink the timeline if you're willing to do that and seek them out. And my experience has been in, in our world, I'm sure it's the same in yours, uh, these people, they want to help. If they, if they genuinely want to turn around and help other people grow and maybe save them a little of the heartache that they live through, don't they? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny that you bring up mentoring. It's one of the principles we actually teach our clients is to implement a mentoring program for new recruits. Uh -huh. And taking someone who's seasoned on the team, not anything super structured or super overwhelming, but bake in a relationship for them. When they're on a new team, you know, Gallup has an engagement survey that you can go take for your team. It's called the Q12. And it's all about how well your team's engaged. And they found that if your team members, if someone on your team says, I have a best friend at work, that's one of the questions. Do you have a best friend at work? If they say yes to that question, there's a more than 80% chance that that person's engaged just based off that one question. And when you create a mentoring program and someone who's been there who can show them the ropes, you build that relationship that often blossoms into a friendship and it just makes it so much easier to start recruiting when you're able to do something like that. I'll bet. All right. So let's talk about the work. Um, in, in my world, I would call it the engagement cycle, but early on, like if we were engaging you to help us or if I ran an HVAC company or something like that, uh, especially the, the early stages of that relationship, what does that process look like as it unfolds? Yeah. So once we realize that someone wants to make this shift, I mean, that's the biggest thing. If someone just says, hey, I know what to do. I just need to do more of it. That's often you know, a, a challenge or, or a, a hill we can't die on. But for someone that says, yeah, I'm ready to do something different, we work with them directly for 90 days. And what we do is we work on all of their recruiting processes and systems. 
get them built, get them implemented. And then we teach their team how to run them on their own so that they're not stuck having to work with us all the time. And and they're going to be better at it than we ever will because they're living it every single day. And so we teach their team how to do it inside of that 90 days. And then after the 90 days, now let's start looking at onboarding and retention and all these other things. But now we've got a steady stream, high quality applicants coming in. We can turn that dial up anytime we want. We can fill every open position. Then after that, we can say, okay, now let's start working on how do we retain them? How do we engage them? How do we get them more productive? Well, I'm glad you brought up retention and I have some questions around that. But before I go there, I'm always interested in the 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 sales and marketing thing, man. How does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a guy like you? How do you get the opportunity to even have conversations with uh, prospective clients? You know, the work that we do is actually been described by many people I know as disruptive. It's a different way of thinking about it. So most people don't wake up and say, hey, this core matters. I want what they got. They don't think about it. You know, there's not a lot of people out there that are training and coaching and how to do this differently and really get successful, you know, be successful at it and get really great results. So the number one way people learn about me is by doing shows just like this (laughs) and getting the message out there because so many entrepreneurs, they want to learn. And they, they invest in their learning. They're reading books. They're listening to podcasts. They're, they're going to webinars. And so we found that's the most successful way to get this message in front of people. All right. Let's talk about hanging on to them. Once we get, we get a good one, how do we keep them, man? You know, here's the thing. And the studies show this. Looking for work is one of life's most stressful events. So think about that for a second. This is on the same list as death of a loved one, divorce, relocation. Looking for work is on that same list every single year. Looking for work sucks. It's not fun. People don't like it. So if you've got somebody who is leaving you, that means they were looking for work somewhere else. That means things were pretty rough for them because they're willing to go out and say, that stress of looking for work is less than the stress I'm dealing with here. And I'll tell you over the last three, four years, we've seen it because so many people have struggled, what's the first reaction? Overtime for everyone, right? And we're burning our people out. Mm. And as much as we recognize it and much as we know we're burning our people out, we need to step back and say, hey, you know what? Maybe we need to take on one last client. Maybe this year isn't going to be as big a growth year because we need to preserve the health and the quality of our people. But if you think about that for a second, people leave when the stress is so much that looking for work just seems pale in comparison. So what are you finding? And I'm making the assumption that you are finding some patterns. What are you finding to be uh, common, repetitive things you see over and over, mistakes, both on the, the recruiting, the development, the, the retention? I bet you see some of the same patterns over and over early, early on in your work with a client, yeah? Absolutely. You know, everybody says that everybody just, you know, everybody wants to make more money. I can't afford the people that are out there. And the reality is most of our clients have a story, multiple stories, in fact, where they've hired someone who took a pay cut to come work for them. Hmm. It's not about the money, but the money is an easy answer to the problem, right? It's much easier for an entrepreneur to write a check and just say, I'm going to pay $3 premium an hour than to take a step back and say, hey, maybe I have a company culture. Maybe I have a leadership team. Maybe I have a lack of training and development for my people. Maybe I should change those things. It's much easier sometimes to just pay the extra hourly rate. But when you do that, you only get people who are going to come to you for more money 
and leave you for more money. And we're in this market cycle where it's all about competing for how we can pay, you know, who can pay more faster. And so if they were to take a step back and say, what is it that people want out of a work relationship? I mean, this is really what it is. This is all about relationships. These people are giving up time with their friends and their family, the things they do for fun to come work for you. So how do we mirror what they're giving up and create it for them here? How do we have a better company culture? How do we make sure that they've got good training and development, not just professional, but personal development? How do we create an environment where they can have friends and have fun here? Now, I'm not saying that we just make it so that nobody works anymore, but <laughs> how do we create those opportunities for them? And I already mentioned the mentoring program, and that's a great way to do that is to create opportunities for someone to create connection at work, makes it a lot easier to come there and stay. And when you got friends at work, you're going to be a lot less likely to leave. Well, I got to believe if you create that environment, the word will get out on its own. But particularly, uh, my dad used to say, it's a poor dog that won't wag his own tail. If you, if you get out there to let people know about that environment, that finding people um, can quickly become people finding you. Huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, a big part of what we do is how do you become attractive to good people? Because so many times people say, I can't find any good people. And I'm like, if you're not attracting good people, take a look in the mirror and ask yourself, Am I attractive to good people? Do people know about the cool things that we're doing? Like we talk to companies all the time. I'm like, does, where's that on your website? I just had a call yesterday. He's talking about all these things that they're doing that's different than the industry. I'm like, where's that on your website? He's like, yeah, that's probably a good point. I should probably have it out there. Like people don't know. You, you have to brag and get credit for the things that you're doing. And when you do that, people are going to come to you. You're not going to have to go looking for them anymore. Well, it's an excellent point. And I think that paired with a, with a strong, compelling, uh, origin story, you know, in my line of work, I get to hear some really interesting origin stories, how things got started. And I would think as a prospective employee, if I looked into an organization and I heard their origin story and then I heard what you're describing here about the environment, I, I got to believe that would, that could be very compelling. Absolutely. We got a, we got a client that we worked with last year and, you know, they, when we started asking them about all of these stories, you know, that you bring up story, I'm like, oh yeah, this, this person, you know, has this story on how working for us impacted their personal life. This person, we helped buy a house. This person got out of debt. This person was able to retire a millionaire. Like they have all these stories. And when we started collecting all these things and we sat down the, I remember the owner of the company looking at me and goes, you know what? That's what I want. I want a company where every single person that interacts with us has a story to share. All right. And um, I want some powerful stories to share. And so that all of a sudden became more of their vision for how they drive the company forward. Yeah. Okay. I want to get some tactical advice. It's one of the benefits of, of doing this for a living. Hey, guys, if you want free consulting, get yourself a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> they may not always give you the answer, but you could, you could try. But no, I, I got to confess to you, Ryan, while I think I do a pretty good job in, on, in this platform of conducting an interview, I think I'm probably the worst interviewer on the planet when it comes to conducting an interview for someone to come in and work with us. Mm. And, and I know one of the traps I I'm at least self-aware to know that one of the traps I fall into is um, I, I just have a tendency to, I don't know, just believe in them too quick. And, and I don't know, maybe hiring my own image I, I, again, are, are there some, some things that you share with your clients to help them do a better job in, in, in that uh, part of the process? 
Yeah. Interviewing is my favorite part of the process. Like once we've found good people and they're applying, once we've automated the process so that we can keep up with volume, how do we interview and make sure that they're they're the right people? And I'm going to do a quick little plug here. I'm going to give my website later, but on my website, you can download a copy of my book called How to Hire the Ones You Won't Want to Fire. And in that book, I outline some very uh, on-point tactics, things you can go do by the end of the day to help with your interview process. But let me let me share this. When it comes to interviewing, what I usually see happen, and this is the biggest mistake people make in interviewing, is the employer feels that they have to sell themselves. And so what happens is, and I'm not kidding, I had I had a client that had me this. He goes, here's my interview process. Spend 25 minutes bragging about how awesome we are. That was step one. Well, here's what happens. You brag about how awesome you are for 20 minutes and you sell yourself. And then you start asking questions. And guess what? You just gave them all the answers to the test. <laughs> so they tell you everything that you want to hear. And you're like, this is amazing. And you hire them and they don't work out. Because what we need to be doing is we need to be focusing on them selling us. If we want higher quality people joining our team, we got to make sure they're high quality during the interview process. And that means they have to sell us. Now, good employees, they don't interview a lot, right? They'll work five, six, seven years, one place, and then say, okay, it's time to move on. Mm. The ones that are interviewing all the time, you don't want to hire anyways, because they've got a new job every three months. But the ones that are really good, they don't interview well. Because they don't do it a lot. And so what you need to do when you're interviewing is be there for them and help them through this process. Guide them with questions. Just like you're doing here with me. You're interviewing me today and you're asking me questions to guide this conversation. Same thing we need to do there is ask them questions to guide them through the answers that you're looking for. So that you create a really great conversation and you can make a really objective decision as to whether or not they're a good person to hire. Well, I'm glad I asked. I, I think that's helpful because I think I resemble that remark. I think I probably babble on about how great and wonderful and how Business Radio X is going to solve world peace. And, uh, <laughs> and then the guy said, oh, I want to solve world peace. You know, <laughs> when do I start? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay. I got to hear more about this book. I got some questions about uh, content and structure and that kind of thing. Uh, but a, a broader question when you were, I want to talk about the process of writing a book in the first place, because a lot of our listeners, you know, feel like maybe they have a book in them. Did, mm. did, did, did parts of the book come together uh, much more easily than, than others? Was the whole thing a struggle? Was the whole thing a, a breeze? What was that process of writing a book like for you? Well, I'm going to give you two answers because the book I mentioned, How to Hire, the ones you don't want to fire, that book I wrote just out of an opportunity that I saw with my clients. I was coaching them through the same things. It's real short. It's about 60 pages. That book just kind of flowed out. It was done. Uh, and, and it was really easy. But I am now in the final stages of writing a much bigger book that goes through our whole process, about a year and a half into it. And that book, there were parts of it where I realized going through the book that like, some of it just came out. It was easy. And then there were other parts. Where I was like, I teach people this stuff, but I don't know how to articulate it in a way that it's going to make sense in a book. And it required me going back to the drawing board on some of the things that we teach and some of the things that we do. And, you know, here we are a year and a half later, and it's not because that's how long it takes to write a book. It's just there were some parts that were just real sticky. And when I shared it with with test readers, they were just like, Ryan, I am so lost <laughs> what you're doing here. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that I'm learning now, having gone through this when I write my next book is that plan up front knowing that the journey that you're going to take the reader on 
from start to finish, just spending the time doing that. I wish I would have done that more. I think it would have been a lot easier to do the book. Well, and I got to believe the blood and sweat that you are putting in by what you're describing, I got to believe coming out of that, that if nothing else, and I'm sure it's going to have a marvelous impact on a lot of folks, me included, but if nothing else, I bet it helps crystallize, solidify uh, for you the uh, ways to articulate your disciplines, your processes, your methodology. I bet you it, I'll bet it makes you more effective coming out of the writing process. Oh, undoubtedly. I provide a better service to our clients because I've been through that process. Yeah. No question. All right. Totally uh, on a different track here. You got a lot of irons <laughs> in the fire. You got a lot going on. You're staying busy. And I, I'm interested to know, Outside the scope of, of this work, your work, what, if anything, do you have a tendency to, to nerd out about? Like something totally different where you sometimes you just dive in neck deep, uh, whether it's, it's a hobby or uh, uh, something like that. Do you have a tendency to nerd out on anything outside the scope <laughs> of your work? I mean, we only got a few minutes left in the show. Where do I start? But, um, you know, I got little kids at home. And so any chance I get to do anything with them. But I tell people there are two things I'll get out of bed before the sun for. Golf and fishing. Uh And so any opportunity I get. In fact, I'm actually my my wife and I are talking about moving across country so that we can actually be in a place where I can golf and fish more. Uh, Mostly (laughs) fish. uh, Because out here, there's just not a lot of places to go fishing out here in Arizona. Um, I love those things. And then, you know, with my kids, you know, I I look at that and say, hey, my job is to prepare them so that when they're 18, they're ready to leave the house uh, and and ready to go. And so any opportunity I get to pour into them, you know, we we study the Bible together. We we have great conversations. And I mean, the little kids, six and eight, and uh, any chance I get to spend with them is, is a time where I get to geek out. Yeah. Also, always interested to know, I often frame it up at what's on your nightstand, but kind of getting at where, what, what are you reading, whether it's blogs, books, or, or studying for your own growth and, and, and development? What, what are you reading these days? Well, I already mentioned the Bible. Read that as often as I can. Great wisdom in there, great stories in there. And you know, it's, it's the thing is, is Almost everything that I read translate into how I can do my to my business better. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm in a relationship business. Mm. I'm helping companies find better employees. It's all about communication. And uh, my wife and I, we read a lot of, uh, of communication books, you know, marriage communication and, and how men and women communicate different. And so much of that is able to, to translate back in. But um you know, one of the one of the books that I really love reading is Love and Respect. And it's just about how people communicate differently. I can use the exact same words my wife uses and mean something completely different. That is so true. <laughs> and, cha- <laughs> and, and challenging. That, that that's true at the Peyton House too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um so so those are some of the books I'm reading. And then, you know, as far as a business book goes, one of my favorite is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Mm. A yeah. negotiating book. It's in, in amazing book. I've read it a couple of times. Probably one of my favorite business books. So I have with my youngest daughter, uh, we've decided we're gonna call it the Daddy Daughter uh, book club. But uh, she recommended one that I'm enjoying. What is it costing you not to listen? And mm. uh, and it goes well beyond just the active listening stuff, which is good. And I'm yeah. really enjoying that. But I'm also enjoying 
reading the book along with someone else or one that they've recommended, and in particular because it's my, my daughter. But I, I do think even if the content is coming from someone, maybe even especially if someone outside your arena, you can often, you know, that, that different perspective on disciplines and thought patterns can, can often, man, that can really make a big difference. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm in, I'm enjoying that as well. All right, before we wrap, uh, I'd love to leave our listeners with just a handful of uh, pro tips when it comes to any of this marketing <laughs> in the recruiting, yeah, uh, and de- developing, re- retaining, and look, gang. The number one tip is uh, you know reach out and have a conversation with Ryan or someone on his team. But between now and then, maybe some things they could be. Reading, doing, not doing that, you know, just a a couple of actionable things they can start moving on. Yeah. You know, we, we spend a lot of time working with our clients on frontline employees. Those are the ones that, you know, you're probably paying them hourly, high turnover. You need lots of people. And that's really our focus is helping them there because once you've done that and you've figured out the frontline, the other stuff becomes so much easier. I would say that there's two things that everybody needs to do right now. Number one is get really clear. I mean, crystal clear, just like you did when you met with your marketing company to find out who your ideal customer was and figure out who is the best type of employee for you. How do they behave? What do they believe? What do they do for fun? Get really clear on who that is because when you do that, it's going to make it so much easier to do step number two, which is write a better job ad. Get rid of what HR wrote and write it like a commercial. Give it to your marketing team and say, hey, make this sound engaging. Make it fun. Make it compelling. Make it so that someone would actually want to apply here. Our job ads are much longer than what most companies do. And uh, you know, we just delivered a, a job ad to a franchise brand. And it, we got the reply and they're like, can I apply here? <laughs> and it was just like, this is us, but I've never heard it articulated this way. I've never heard it described this way. So get really clear on who you're writing those ads for and then write a better ad. Give it to your marketing team. Say, have fun with it. Make it exciting. Make it compelling. Forget, you know what? Here's the thing. If, I, if I'm an electrician or if I'm a customer service rep or a sales rep, I know what those people do. You don't have to tell me all of the stuff that I have to be able to do. That's in the in the new hire paperwork, right? Let legal handle that stuff. But in those ads, tell me why I should come do it for you. Man, makes all the sense in the world, especially when you say it. <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense. I just love the putting that marketing frame on it and I'm going to we're going to take your counsel here at the Business Radio X Network, and uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will as well. All right, what is the best way for folks who are listening to this to to connect with you, tap into your work, maybe get access to that uh, tool that you mentioned earlier in, in the conversation, and maybe yeah. have a conversation with you, man, whatever you think is appropriate, website, LinkedIn, email, that kind of stuff? Well, I am an easy guy to find, <laughs> uh, LinkedIn especially, but corematters.com. Just go to our website. We've got hiring tips. We got resources. We've got downloads. We just launched a brand new 14 question, takes less than two minutes survey. You take this and you get instant results on where you need to focus most in your business so that you can start attract, hire, and retain the best people. Everything's on our website at corematters.com. 
Fantastic. Well, Ryan, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show this afternoon. I, I appreciate the insight, the perspective, and keep up the good work, man. What you're doing is, is important, and we, we sure appreciate you. Uh, thank you, Stone. My pleasure. All right, until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, Ryan England with Core Matters, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you in the fast lane.